Alrighty, folks, welcome back to a very special episode of the Uppercut Podcast. Tonight, we have on a 12 and 3 UFC lightweight hailing from Wilmington, North Carolina. He runs his own grappling promotion and is a host on the Touching Gloves podcast on YouTube. Today, we have the one and only Joe Selecki. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, man. Happy to be talking with you guys. Excited to be here. Yeah. Um, so can you give us a little background of what got you into the combat sports world? Did you start with uh, wrestling or karate or did you start with boxing lessons? No. So, man, it started with the Power Rangers um, oh, nice. and my older brother. So I wanted to be a Power Ranger because I was like four. Uh-huh. And uh, I guess times are a little different now. There's kids that, like play soccer, like wrestle when they're four and stuff. But back then... My parents were like, oh, you'll, you know, you'll start activities like that when you go to school. So when I, you know, I would have been six. Um, but my brother was playing baseball. So uh, we moved towns and they were thinking about, you know, maybe trying to get him into something different. He wasn't getting a lot of playing time. And there's a lot of politics in town sports like that when you're not playing for school and stuff. And, uh, you know, it ended up being, we'll put him in karate. And, and then because the Power Rangers did karate. That's why I wanted to do it. Yeah. And he was interested too. You know, we watched those shows together. They said, if he likes it and it's a cool environment, you know, we'll send you when you're six. And, uh, you know, they did. And then the crazy part was the instructor at the time, Jim Fortunato, he actually runs a jiu-jitsu tournament called The Good Fight, which is pretty big in this area. Um, And he had started doing jiu-jitsu in Philly with with, uh, Steve Maxwell, one of the first jiu-jitsu schools in Philadelphia on the East Coast, really. Um, Him and then the guy that ended up becoming my lifelong instructor, John Hassett, would go from Jersey to Philly, you know, however often they could, and they'd train jiu-jitsu. And within like a year, since my brother started, he changed the whole school curriculum to mostly jiu-jitsu because he had gotten his blue belt. So back then, that was like, you know, you're good enough to teach this stuff. So yeah, um, he kept some karate students, grandfathered in, and taught them karate still. My brother was one of them. And then uh, I started with jiu-jitsu on day one. And then about two years later, we ended up switching schools to uh, train with John Hassett, who was, you know, our first instructor's instructor, or, you know, kind of senior rank in, in jiu-jitsu. And uh, there I did a little karate as well, but it was always an adult jiu-jitsu class. So he didn't have kids jiu-jitsu back then. He had kids karate and adult jiu-jitsu. But since I had started with jiu-jitsu, I wanted to stick with it. So that meant at eight or nine years old, I was going to uh, the adult classes at night with, you know, cool. grown men. So it made for a really cool dynamic. And I yeah. think a lot of that, I mean, I, I know a lot of that, you know, shaped me into who I am. So it was pretty cool to be, you know, hang out and be one of the grownups when you're eight years old, you know, you start to learn like a lot of life lessons and, you know, heck watching some people, it's a lot of what not to do, but uh, yeah. I got a lot of wisdom from those guys too. Yeah. I can't imagine. Um, we've interviewed quite a few fighters. You're the first one to say power Rangers as the reason that got him into fighting. So that's, that's pretty awesome. Uh, Mikey, did you have one? Yeah. So you're from Jersey, but you're permanently in North Carolina now, right? Yeah. Yep. I live uh, in Wilmington, North Carolina, down on the coast. And then, uh, well, I say that I actually live in the sticks like 25, 30 minutes from Wilmington in Rocky Point. So we got to give them credit. You know, we're like a town of a thousand people. Yeah. But uh, train down there. It's all dog jiu-jitsu. And then spend a lot of my training camp also in Charlotte, which is a pretty big city in North Carolina, away from home. So at Jim O. So, uh, yeah, been in the Carolinas for uh, almost 10 years now. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, So Mikey and I were talking beforehand about the UFC's like grappling uh, tournament that's on Fight Pass. We saw that you beat um donald cerrone what was that like fighting a legend of the sport yeah you know it was really cool it was uh and you know one of the coolest things about it was that was for fury grappling which is kind of like the you know spinoff from cffc which i, I fought for them before the ufc yeah. and uh it was back home so it was right over the bridge in philadelphia uh in south philly 2300 arena which i actually you know i fought there a couple times but uh i got to go back home in front of you know 
gosh, I had a fight in DC in 2019. But since then, all the people that used to come watch me fight in Atlantic City and stuff, my family and friends, mm-hmm. you know, it's been COVID. So they weren't able to come. I was in the apex. So that was the first time having some people out there that I knew in the crowd. And then uh, my lifelong instructor, who I just talked about, John Hassett, he got to corner me for that. And, uh, you know, it just so happened to be against the legend. So yeah. uh, all of it was really cool. And the other great part was, you know, I just said uh, the COVID era, no one was allowed in fights. I got to have my daughter there, you know, which was pretty oh, cool because uh, at the time that was over a year ago. So she was just over a year old. Um, you know, I wouldn't want her at like a fight. That's kind of a rougher mm-hmm. crowd. But, you know, a jiu-jitsu event, it was it was still the lights and cameras. We got some cool photos that like I'll remember forever and that, you know, she won't remember, but I'll be able to show her. And I got to, you know, kind of have that moment. So it was pretty cool. The whole thing was awesome. But uh yeah, getting to compete against Ronnie was really cool as well. You know, somebody I grew up watching and uh, have a lot of respect for. And anytime he competes in anything, there's a lot of eyes. So just yeah. overall a great opportunity. And, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Mike? Yeah, so, man, they've been putting on huge events, Fury Pro Grappling. Because I actually, I actually work right outside of uh, Philadelphia, too. And I was going to go to the last one, and I missed it. But um, so basically your whole amateur career brought you through New Jersey, right? Yeah, so uh, – I fought a little bit everywhere as an amateur. That was, it was tough to find fights, you know? So, uh, have, you know, I got into fighting because it, I wanted to always be a fighter. And then, you know, life takes turns. I'm going to college trying to do the right thing and make everybody happy. And, uh, some things happened where it just made sense to fight. I wasn't able to stay in school anymore. I fought in Myrtle beach first where I was living and there's no sports or anything down here. So fighting was actually kind of a big deal. So Made, made out pretty well on tickets and sponsors. Like, oh, this is going to be great. And then, like, fights shut down in Myrtle Beach for the next three or four years. So it just became, you know, got one in Pennsylvania, and Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Then it was New York City. Wasn't even sanctioned. Just getting experience. And then uh, when I made my pro debut, I knew that CFFC was a great promotion. And I knew how many, you know, veterans they had to go on to the UFC. So it was like one of these. Uh, I told my coach at the time, who I no longer trained with, but was helping me out, managing me, and, you know, really helpful. He fought for them as well. And I was like, man, I think I could sell tickets there. I know that's something that they value. So uh, if we could get on there, and that's where I had my pro debut, ended up selling a bunch of tickets because, you know, I had left home in 2012. It was like 2016 by the time I went pro. And people had known I had been doing this fighting thing, you know, through Facebook and Instagram and all that. But it was all in these random places. So no one ever got to come see me who I grew up with or, you know, guys I trained with and stuff. So went up there and kind of, you know, made some noise with ticket sales and then, you know, fought most of my fights up there. So I had one for bring a combat, the rest for CFFC, and then just two in the South. So, uh, yeah, it was pretty awesome. It was back and forth. It was like every other car would be Atlantic City, Philly, Atlantic City, Philly, and then uh, had one in Ben Salem and then one more in Atlantic City. So I think I fought six times up there and then one more for ring combat. So, yeah, even though I was living down here, it was the best of both worlds. I got to get on that. You know, not that not to knock the fight scene anywhere, but it's definitely different up there. If you can make it through there, you're battle-tested by the time you get to – you know, contender series or, your, you know, short notice UFC fight. It's like uh, the best of the best up there, man. You, they don't pad records. They don't really take care of you in any certain way. It's, it's a meritocracy, which I can certainly respect. And yeah. I think it helped. Yeah. Mikey, did you have one? Uh, so after that, following your uh, first round finish in the contender series and on only your third fight in, you got matched up with Jim Miller. What was that <laughs> like? Did you have to like, was it a different mindset you had to have going into it? Or do you just kind of see every fight as just another opponent? Or was it a little different since it was like a legend in the sport? Well, you know, I think it was a little different um, because I, I was an active, you know, Cerrone is a legend and I have respect for him, of course. And he was super nice. But uh, that wasn't one of my favorites just because I grew up a grappler. You know, I was a jiu-jitsu yeah. kid. So uh, even though he has great jiu-jitsu, it was like one of those things where 
he wasn't like a guy I was trying to be like. He was a great kickboxer. Um, yeah. Jim Miller was, you know, subbing guys. He was taking backs and he was guillotine. A lot of the way I like to grapple is from watching guys like Jim Miller, you know. So, and being from New Jersey, he was one of my all time favorites, him and Dan. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, getting that matchup was definitely one of those where it's like, you know, I maybe have to think about a little extra of like not being in a fan mode. But uh, one of the great things was that my teammate, Scott Holtzman, you know, who had a lot more experience than me, he fought him like two fights prior to that. So, um, you know, our whole team had gone through that process. I had gone through a camp, you know, trying to be like Jim Miller for Scott. And then our coach had cornered against him and already prepped for him and we knew everything about him. Uh, so that was cool. So I'd already kind of seen him as a one professional to another when I was being the sparring partner. But then, you know, the other thing is just kind of accepting that it's how you're going to feel. Like, yeah, this is one of my heroes. Cool. This is great. That's a good thing I'm in here fighting with him. So um, I wouldn't be a very good professional fighter if I was going to, like, not do my best because I admire the guy across from me. You know, we talk about it a lot. Uh, my coach, Jeff Jimmo, and I is like, we want to fight guys that we have respect for and admire, you know. Um, otherwise, we're just trying to be dishonest and fight people we think we can definitely, you know, we know for a fact we're going to beat. There's no fun in that. There's no admiration in that. So uh, a guy like Miller, when he walks out, I think, you know, every time he fights, he's setting some kind of record now. But that night, they even announced him across from me. He's like, tonight he sets the record for most UFC fights. And uh, those are big moments. And it's it's going to be one of those things that'll be cool to have been a part of. Yeah, for sure. Um, first off, shout out to Hot Sauce Holtzman. He's out of Knoxville, Tennessee. I just moved back out. I was living there for a couple of months. That's awesome. PT, so he's, he's, he's definitely a big name down in Knoxville. A lot of people know about him and talk about him yep. um so shout out to him he just retired i believe so congrats on the retirement to him um you've been talking about looking up to jim miller were there any other fighters that you uh looked up to and that you kind of emul- emulated your game after when you were younger oh for sure you know and the thing was is like i always wanted to be a ufc fighter but i was so bad at jiu-jitsu and i didn't really have those outlets for striking mm-hmm. and i never wrestled um so it was like one of those things where I wasn't building a game to be in the UFC because I was so bad at jiu-jitsu. It was just like my fun hobby that I trained really hard to compete in jiu-jitsu. Um, so I always rooted for the jiu-jitsu guys, you know, Damian Maya and, uh, you know, BJ Penn back when he was like, you know, at his height of like working hard with the Marinovich is like, you know, everyone got excited when he was going to fight. So uh, definitely guys like him, Jim Miller, Dan Miller, another one, because I loved his, you know, uh, you know, Jim's a submission specialist too, but Dan had that phenomenal guillotine game. And, uh, as a guy that was always getting taken down by wrestlers in tournaments, I loved anybody that had a good guillotine. Uh, Damian Maya said, you know, just guys like that that were going out there. And, you know, back then, even though it was everybody was good at everything, it was still a lot of specialists. So anybody that was carrying the jiu-jitsu flag back then, the Matt Serras and the, you know, just guys that you felt like were, you know, carrying the jiu-jitsu flag. I loved Randy Couture as well. Because um, I kind of, even though he wasn't a jiu-jitsu guy, it was like those guys that were like grapplers, you know, so uh and really, I was anybody that always seemed like an underdog or a regular person, you know, who came off like wholesome, because um, it gave guys like me hope who were just wasn't very gifted or like had this amazing pedigree where you're like, oh, like if they can do it, maybe I can, you know. So just guys like that that seemed like relatable. Mm-hmm. Mike. So speaking of all the grappling, how did you come up with your own grappling promotion? Do you have partners in it? Like, where did that idea spawn from? Obviously, your love for grappling, but where did actually putting it into effect come from? Yeah, you know, I have this time between fights and, uh, you know, even when we're in camp and stuff, like, of course, we're training super hard and you're busy, but there's always downtime. Like, I might be at the gym, you know, hanging out and stuff between sessions, but you're not training for eight full hours, you know, so there's there's other ways to, to tap into other things. You know, there's guys that get real estate licenses, there's guys that own gyms. Um, 
obviously just for having for many reasons, but I'm young in the sport. So it's not really like I want to be in that gym owner phase or anything, let alone, you know, funding and all that. Um, so it was one of those things where it was like, oh, okay, I could, I could do something on the side to supplement my income, but also kind of hopefully become a little liaison for our grappling community down here in the Carolinas. We have a lot of talent down here, a lot of schools, um, which wasn't the case when I moved here. Mm. And it was something that was like, Oh man, like I could also kind of make a little platform, you know, I used to do this thing back in Jersey. It was called PGL and it was super fights only. And it was really the first of its kind. It's before Metamorris or anything. And that's where I started. And uh, I remember how cool it was for me to be able to get the walkout music and sell some tickets and mm-hmm. have family and friends come. And I was a purple belt. You know, I wasn't uh, an ADCC competitor or anything. And uh, it was like, oh, like this is a, a chance to recreate something like that. And also I could have a daytime event. So that was the idea. And then I just started looking for mats and, uh, you know, I was really fortunate to be coming off a couple of fights strung together. You know, I fought pretty, pretty well and I was active. So I had a little extra, you know, money to put together where I didn't have to take any partners or anything. I could just do it as me. I bought the mats and, uh, you know, the rest was pretty much after my last fight, I got done and was eight weeks out from the tournament. So just using that money to, you know, rent the venue, get the insurance, the whole nine. But, uh, oddly enough, you know, for, I'm not the most, uh, I don't have like the biggest, you know, business, I don't have a business degree or anything, but like, I listen to a lot of things and I talk to a lot of people. I have a lot of friends who are really smart. So I just picked their brain and try to, I, I felt like I was pretty savvy for the first one. Pretty much we had every base covered. I remember my brother was saying, you know, he runs a really, uh, a really successful physical therapy business that he just started like during COVID, you know, which is you're already an uphill battle. Yeah. And he was like, well, you know, don't forget like in this one, you're going to forget a bunch of things and there's going to be some really bad blunders, but that's just to be expected. It's the first event. I looked at him and was like, there better not be because like <laughs> I've been in this game too long yeah. to get here and be like, Oh, we forgot a scale or something foolish, you know? So it ran, I mean, I'm blown away with how well it ran. Um, the only things that went like, you know, could be better. I don't think people even realize cause it was all behind the scenes. Like, Oh, we could have communicated. We could have had walkie talkies or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? So uh, yeah, it was great, but I did have a great team around me. I had a lot of uh, friends and family that were helping um, referees, everything. So I don't have any partners, but, definitely people that we were uh you know were really helpful and uh one of one of my longtime friends matt uh who i trained with a long time he's cornered me in fights and stuff before uh, he kind of really helped because he's ran a lot of events and stuff so then uh you know i would consider him them like partners in the sense of like people that you're going to try to you know profit share and stuff with at least you know paying them when you're done and same with the referees and stuff going forward but uh yeah just me just me and my wife because yeah. anything i do she's involved in <laughs> she worked an 18 hour day that day as well wow um, yeah, that's awesome. That That's such a cool thing that you, you know, just started to do it in your own free time. Um, and it's funny, we've talked to a lot of fighters who do, um, like Corey, uh, what was his last, last name? Corey, uh, Hendricks did woodworking. Um, Jared Vandera oh. is a gym. Like they all kind of find their own avenues, like you mentioned. So I like, I like what you found. Um, speaking on the grappling, um, how did you come up with a rule set for your grappling promotion too? Because we know that it varies between every promotion. Like how did you come up with your rules for this one? Yeah. You know, I've done so many of these. I've had over 300 grappling matches, which, you know, sounds like a lot, but when you see these guys, they compete full time, but I've done everything under the sun. I've done submission only no time limit. I've had matches go, you know, way too long. Uh, that IBJJ, every single rule set you can imagine. Um, even some experimental ones back in the day where it's like first to 12, or submission, like just goofy stuff. And I like all of them in their own right. I've done ADCC trials, like everything. 
Um, and it was just seeing like what was the most user friendly. So for the nighttime, the super fights, I thought it was pretty cut and dry. Just do it like MMA or I guess kind of like pride rules, right? Three mm -hmm. judges give them each a wristband, fight to win does this too. They raise who they think won. And they're yeah. standing right there. So it's not like it could be corrupt or home cooking or anything because yeah. you're seeing who's making the decision. Um, I think that encourages nonstop action because you don't know what the score is. You don't know you're up 2-0 and can coast. But for the daytime, it was just thinking about user-friendly as far as, you know, keeping the heel hooks out of it for beginners and stuff like that. Like, you know, these guys have jobs. They're going, hey, what's a tournament? We have a really low barrier to entrance, like 50 bucks. Like just trying to get like the first time jujitsu practitioners in. So the last thing I need is them getting heel hooked by a guy that's sandbagging and they can't go to work on Monday. Yeah. Um, and then just kept regular points, you know, because not everybody wants to go in their first tournament or the second tournament and be in an hour long submission only match. So it was like one of those things of, okay, the standard scoring, but we took out the nonsense with the advantages. I can't stand that. The almost, I think is the most foolish thing in sports. Like, uh, Oh, I almost swept you, so I'm going to get a, a point yeah. that only comes into play if it's tied. It's fuller. So, and it made it easier on my refs, too. We had, like, three arguments all day out of, like, hundreds of matches. So, uh, it yeah. made it easier for them. It made it easier for the competitors to understand, and it just kind of – but, you know, the thing is, is, like I said, we're a local event, so the first thing I said at the, at the uh, rules meeting, it was me doing it. I was like, look, no one here is getting disqualified today. The only way you're going to be disqualified is if you – are, you know, being disrespectful to an employee or a, or a ref, you know, other than that, like, we'll work with you. If you're not allowed to bring your foot over the hip, like some of these tournaments, we'll just stop you and put it back. We're not going to, yeah, I've been at IBJJF and they don't even say anything. They give you a hand signal, stand you up and DQ you, send you home. Thanks for your 130 bucks and, you know, get out of here. So just trying to make the most user-friendly possible. Yeah. Mike. So another thing we saw you done in your free time is you take part in the uh, touching gloves podcast which, by the way really in depth and really entertaining i listened to a couple episodes this morning it was it's a really good podcast but yeah. where did you guys come up with the idea to combine faith and combat talk it's <laughs> kind of you know not a common mashup by any means yeah yeah it's uh so it's funny we're actually on a little hiatus right now i guess with fight camp and the holidays and everything but we'll see if you know get back to it soon but uh yeah we were we go to church uh in like a house church so we all get together a bunch of families in a house and uh you know it's, it's a super cool setting it's a, it gets to be like a very intimate setting where it's kind of like a bible study you know led by a couple of pastors of, uh but it's a different dynamic right nobody's on salary it's not like corporation like they all have regular jobs they're bivocational so it's just a cool atmosphere and we always have lunch afterward as you know as, as a group so we were sitting out back and my one buddy who trains with us who uh is a blue belt he's pretty good he actually did my tournament in one shout out to kevin but uh he was sitting there and my wife was like, cause he had a, he has a podcast, new heart theology and it's, you know, uh, strictly a theology podcast. And she was like, man, when are you guys, he was joking. He put his arm around. He's like, man, we should get, you know, fighting and faith. Like how great would that be? My wife who like is like the most supportive person ever. She looked and was like, why isn't that a thing? Like more people need that. That's a great way to reach people. Like, uh, you guys should do that. And he, and he thought about it. He's like, Oh, it wouldn't be a terrible idea. And then, uh, our other buddy started training with us that also goes to our church. He's real funny. And, he uh, got really into UFC during COVID, our buddy Caleb. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's like a super fan. So we were like, okay, perfect. Like we have the guy that, you know, is a bivocational pastor. So obviously he studied theology and everything. We have the guy that's the UFC fighter. And then we have the guy that actually probably knows more about the, you know, upcoming fights and current events and all that. Yeah. And the fact we all have in common is we're, you know, we're all really good friends and go to the same church. So it was just kind of like, uh, it all happened kind of accidentally. And uh, it's been fun. You know, it's, uh, Sometimes you see these random stuff where they pair like a, a comedian up with a guy he's never met. They put 
like we're all friends. So it's just kind of hanging out. It's not like a chore to get together, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. Um, like Mikey said, I second everything he said that you have a really, really good podcast and hopefully you guys get off that hiatus soon. Cause I'd love to listen to more episodes for sure, but I understand you guys are busy. Um, one more question. And then we're going to do a quick rapid fire segment. Um, you had a fight against Jared Gordon, who is most probably well known now for, we think he won that Patty fight. We just wanted to get your thoughts on that, that decision um, and that fight as a whole. Oh, I thought he won too. You know, I was rooting for him too. I sent him a message before the fight. Um, just actually, you know, the coolest part about all of that is like, um, you know, we had a close fight. It was a tough fight, but what that did for me. So talking about coming off the Miller fight where you're fighting like a legend yeah, and then going to a fight where you're like, Oh man, like new contract, just don't mess this up. Mm. It was such a weird mindset. That I've never been in before. I've never been a complacent guy and I worked super hard to prepare for him, but I just went in with this very blah attitude, you know, very, uh, just listening too much to what people had said about performances yeah. and this, all the stuff I didn't get into fighting for. And then you look at Jared and he got the big fight. He had one more fight since then. And then he fought Patty and, or two. And I was, I was like, man, like what the coolest part about all of that was his message about, he, you know, he was trying to fill this void with fighting and it's never going to fill that void. And, you know, he shared his faith. I was like, bro, what's so funny is like eight months prior to that, that's the cycle I had to go through. Even though I had my faith, it was like a re a reemergence of things I already knew, but forgot, you know, and I had to go down that rabbit hole of like, really reflection and all this you know and that that loss let me i go man now i see how god was using you because you have a huge following now yeah and you're telling your hundred thousand followers the message that i had to go through all those hardships to learn so i appreciate that and then i was like just drown this guy you know go get him yeah. but uh yeah i thought he won i thought he won i'm biased because I, I like the guy and i'm rooting for him but i thought he won three to zero at worst two to yeah. one but i don't even know which round you'd give patty yeah. and the crazy part is He's hitting shots that are landing that are going to hurt. They're on the temple. They're behind the ear. And he's catching stuff on his forehead. He has bruises. Yeah. You hear Patty being like, well, look at his face. It's like, yeah, that means you're not hitting him where it's actually hurting him, you know? Yeah. Um, and just the way he was able to control the grappling and stuff, I think it really shows. I mean, I've been in there with the guy 15 minutes. I know how he felt. And uh, the fact that Patty couldn't get any offense going, I think, really shows that he's not this grappling hammer that we think of. And we know his striking is just wild. It's not very calculated so i think uh not because jared isn't great jared's a great fighter but i think he became very beatable that night because you know a grinder completely out, out techniqued him and yeah. then grind so uh yeah i thought it was great and i think hopefully jared's stock goes up as a result because i thought he won oh yeah I, we completely agree with you and like with patty his defense is really he just does not defend those shots coming back he leaves himself so open to these massive shots um we think as a podcast, we've kind of said that we think once he gets like up to those contenders and all that, he's probably gonna get a bigger fight. Uh, the guys, not that Jared Gordon isn't extremely dangerous as well, but those really, really dangerous guys. Um, yeah, we think it's going to be, you know, a rude awakening real quick. Uh, Benoit St. Denis, that's who you're fighting very soon. He is a very dangerous fighter as well. How are you feeling about that fight? Are you looking forward to it? Are you nervous? Um, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I feel fantastic. I mean, of course you'll be nervous. We yeah, actually sit and think about fight night because you yeah. know there's a lot at stake. But uh, we love, man, we love the matchup because of who he is. You know, we were just talking about one of the fight tough guys that you admire who, you know, are going to bring the best out in you. And I, I mean, so far in the camp, that's what it's done is uh, it's been a fun, fun way to prepare. And I've had to go, you know, you have to go through the gamut of training partners to get ready for a guy like that because he's so big, strong, 
good at grappling, but his striking is no joke. He's got power. You know, we've seen it. Um, and he's durable. We've seen in the in the in the first fight he had in the UFC. Yeah, just took a relentless amount of punishment and kept coming forward. So excited for the fight! I think we have a fantastic game plan. My coach Jeff Jimmo has just dissected him. He'll just text me randomly because you know I come up here for most of the week and train, and I'll be back in one week on the weekend or something, and mm-hmm. I'll just get a text at like nine o'clock at night, and it's like X, Y, and Z. You're like, oh, you're sitting at home watching Saint Denis again, you know? So uh, yeah. we're just prepared. You know, we've had the fight for four months, so. If you're not prepared at that point, you know, but uh, the nice thing about it is he does what he does very, very well. We have the template. We know what he does, but it's not, it's not, he's not a deceptive guy. You know what he's going to bring to the table. So yeah, it shifts all of the focus to me and doing certain things. And uh, it's been spectacular, man. It's been a fun, fun camp. And and it's been a grind because that's the kind of fight I think it's going to be. You know, I think uh, if we're on the feet, we're going to meet in the middle because I don't, I don't like to run, and uh, he definitely doesn't strike me as a guy that backs up a lot. And eventually what that should probably lead to, because we're both grapplers by nature, is we end up on the floor. And, you know, that's a fun puzzle because, you know, you get two guys that love to grapple. And uh, we're a contrast to styles, I think. I think uh, – I don't think I'm a weak guy, but I think I'm a technician. And I think uh, pretty dynamic in my scrambling, and uh, I think he's a very strong, imposing guy on the ground. So, you know, if we do what we're planning to do, then I think it's going to be a great night. And uh, I have all the faith in the template Jeff set for me. I have all the faith in the work I've done. And the big thing I've understood since fighting guys like Jim Miller and going on and watching their interviews and learning from them is this game's unpredictable and crazy, so anything can happen, of course. But if we're going off of all the boxes checked and all the hard work done and all the right work done, you know, that victory belongs to me and God's will. You know, I mean, uh, anything can happen. I know that. But uh, the whole point in this camp is, you know, I've been writing in my notes that I was just going to bed with peace of mind knowing I've done everything I possibly can. Everything's been done. You know, we still have four and a half more weeks. Yeah. I can't wait to watch it. It's going to be an amazing fight for sure. Um, if you want to catch that at home as a listener, it's the UFC fight night, uh, Cheeto Vera versus Corey Sandhagen card. That's on uh, February 18th, 2023 at 6 PM Eastern time on Saturday. So uh, now we're going to get into the rapid fire portion of the podcast real quick. It's a quick little segment we like to do with the fighters. Um, we are just going to ask you these quick little questions and you just got to give us a name if you want. Um, and then they're just about the questions are about anyone that you've fought trained with or just seen in general. So starting off um, who is the hardest or sorry, what is the singular hardest punch you've taken? If you can, if you can find one, if you ever think <sighs> Nicholas Moda put me unconscious, but uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely Nicholas Moda. Cause uh, I woke up and didn't know what year it was. I thought it was 2016 yeah. or 2018. Oh, wow. All right. Okay. <laughs> well, they asked me who the president was. And I was like, well, I thought it was Obama, but it's not Obama anymore. And yeah. they're like, oh, yeah, you're from Cuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, go ahead, Mike. Uh, who's your favorite fighter to watch? doesn't even have to be anyone who's famous or on TV, even if it's a guy you train with, whoever you want to pick. Who's your favorite fighter to watch and be around? Yeah, I mean, uh, of all time, it's always Frankie Edgar, you know, mm-hmm. and then anybody I train with, you know, Scott, Brian, uh, John Salter, you know, those guys. But growing up and all that, Frankie Edgar. That last Frankie Edgar fight, uh, that put a pit in my stomach. That was it was a heartbreak. The last few were tough, but yeah, he's one of those guys you just don't lose respect for because he's just no. such a dog. No, you just hate to see him go out like that. You hate to yeah. see when they string it on a little bit too long. Uh, yep, that was tough. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, who hits the hardest out of anyone you faced? I mean, I guess Moda because he knocked me out, but yeah. uh, Miller Miller hit hard. Miller hit yeah. hard and and deceptively fast. Um, who is the best wrestler? You can say yourself if you wanted. I, <laughs> I mean, I've trained with some darn good wrestlers. Yeah, uh, you have. Shoot, I trained today with uh, 
Tom Lane, who was an All-American at Cal Poly. Paul yeah. Carson wrestled D1 at uh, at uh, App State. Chris Weidman was in the room. Oh. Uh, John Salter's an NAIA national champion. So I definitely trained with some great wrestlers. Thought, I guess Miller credentialed he wrestled in college, but De Silva, yeah. man, I got him on his hips and I couldn't, it was hard to take him down. Okay. Yeah, De Silva, that's a good answer. And um, okay, is there anyone that you dislike the most? Either. You seem like a pretty nice guy. I don't know if you have. No, yeah. I mean, you know, you know, anybody who's faking it, I don't yeah. like that. Fighting, fighting is the most real thing on earth, and uh, you're just taking something so pure and making it, you know, a shtick. I just, I don't even say like, I don't hate anybody, but it's like one of those no. things where you're just like, ah, it's just not for me. I don't need to be around it. Yep, Mike. All right, last one we'll go with. If there's a dream fight, dream matchup, anyone on the planet, who would you match yourself up with? <sighs> That's tough. It can be from uh, any time period. So if you want, yeah, it could be someone yeah. who already retired, whoever you can think of. I mean, you'd love to test yourself against the guys that were on top when you were young. Like I've already done that with like Miller and stuff, but like maybe like a like a BJ Penn, you know, somebody like that. Yeah. But uh, at the moment, if we're gonna be realistic, I would love to get a crack at Clay Guida eventually. You know, just because he fought, Ooh. he fought Scott, he fought my teammate, and I thought Scott yeah. won, where it was close. You know, um, yeah. but you know, his tactic was stall on the ground, and then I don't think that would go so well with me. And I would love to do that. Uh, just try to get it back for the team, you know? So maybe Clay Guida. Clay Guida, that's a great answer. Well, um, before you go, is there anything you want to promote or talk about or just, you know, let it all out? Yeah, just thanks for having me on, guys. This is a blast. And uh, like I said, anytime we get to talk about something besides just like, what's your weight right now? What's your game plan? Yeah. Uh, it's a fun it's a fun time, you know? So I appreciate it. Um, but yeah, just want to shout out, if you if everybody can follow all on Grappling, it'd be awesome. You know, check it yeah. out. If you're in the area, you want to come compete. We'd love to have you. Um, just shout out to everybody that that helped me get right. Has helped me get ready for the fight. You know, everybody that's all the jiu-jitsu, John Salter, Wyatt Hopkins, Nick Maz, Alan Branch at home helped me with kickboxing, and then uh, everybody at Fitness Edge MMA, and then this camp. You know, Jeff GMO, everybody at GMO, some of the guys that is named. Uh, man, it's just been such a culmination of people's hard work. So I really, really appreciate them, and just a huge shout out to my wife and my daughter who doesn't watch. You know this but uh maybe one day you know yeah, but uh yeah my wife's been incredible she's uh man she works full-time she's yeah. taking care of our daughter when i'm gone i'm gone in camp for most of the week uh she's pregnant like she's holding it down you know and never complains and uh she's the reason i got into this whole fight mess so uh i just love her and appreciate her so much so yeah that's it yeah awesome shout out to her uh mikey did you have one quick thing yeah, just thanks for coming on, and uh, good luck in your next fight. Make sure you give Joe Slecky a follow on Instagram, all in grappling, a follow. You're a really humble guy. I don't know why anyone wouldn't follow any of your advice, and we're really happy you came on. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah thanks so much, guys. Have a great rest of the day.